Welcome to From Dusk Till Dog. I'm your host, Erica Gonzalez. And today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about loose leash walking. Now, no matter what kind of dog you have, I feel like everyone can benefit from some loose leash walking tips and tricks. Whether you're, whether your dog sucks currently on leash or you really don't like how they're walking with you, or you have a dog that walks pretty damn good and you just want to enhance it and further it and make it even better. I think this is going to be helpful because most of my loose leash stuff that I've ever put out has been my top performing topic. So I feel like this is something that a lot of you really want to hear more and more about. So with that, I want to quickly plug the blog that I have. I did do a loose leash walking mini guide blog post with some of these tips, but we're going to dive in deeper. We're going to have some extra stuff. I'm going off the cuff today. I had no planned notes. I just wanted to come on, talk about this, see what pops up and see where this conversation with myself goes. (laughs) So First things first, I want to say before we dive into expectations and training goals and equipment stuff and what you're going to need, I want to start by saying loose leash walking, loose leash skills, and, and honestly working on leash skills in general is an investment and a commitment from you. And especially so if your dog is an avid puller. This goes for any goal that you set in life, but dog training is no different. So I like to bring this up that this takes time and a commitment and effort and trying and patience and all of that stuff that does not always come easily when your shoulder is getting dislocated from your dog pulling you down the street. So I got my coffee, my coffee, I got my coffee. Anyway, so I want you to think of loose leash training in terms of weeks and months, not minutes, not days, not hours, not whatever. We need to think long-term. I also want to add that if you're truly having trouble, always a caveat on this podcast, and you really, if your dog has some serious behavioral issues, if they struggle with anxiety issues, if there's aggression going on or deep-seated reactivity stuff going on, anything like that, or you're not sure, hiring an appropriate, credentialed, experienced, professional dog trainer to help you build a specific training program and management for your specific needs is worth every cent. So I still want to give you some tips to try at home. This is going to help you nonetheless, but I'm all for hiring a professional to help you because it's a, it's a process and you, you're learning as well as your dog. So that's the kind of cool, but also kind of awkward thing about dog training sometimes is as a trainer, you're training the people for the first time on this stuff. And then you're, they're also needing to then be the teacher for their dog right away. So it's a, it's a special predicament to be in. So I want to start off with one thing that I think is so important to bring up before we get into the nitty gritty on the training side is we really need realistic, realistic expectations and patience. Okay. Realistic expectations and patience. So I think this is greatly overlooked because I feel like obviously everyone's like, yeah, of course, it's going to take time. 
But then when it comes down to it, we have trouble being patient. I know I do anyway. Um, I have in the past. It's something I'm always working on. I'm kind of a go, 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 let's go now type of person. I My brain moves a little fast. So I get it. But we truly need to sit down and analyze our own behavior and start setting small attainable attainable goals for everyone involved, ourselves and our dogs. Ooh, so good. All right. So here's some examples of, I'm laughing because I know for you listening that this has happened to you or you know somebody this has happened to. I know it's happened to me early on in my career when I was still learning about all this. So here's some examples of not having realistic expectations and patience. Going out on a walk with your dog unprepared and empty-handed. The old, I forgot my treats or I forgot my treat pouch will most likely result in a shittier walk. Being prepared for heading out outside of your home in particular where the environment is completely out of your control you really need to make sure you're doing this. No one else is going to do this for you. You need to bring a high value bag of, of treats, preferably in a treat pouch, a, your dog's favorite toy or whatever your dog finds valuable. But having a tool belt, if you will, with you is going to help you pick and choose some options. It's going to help you get out of perhaps hairy situations, redirect your dog, get the hell out of there, motivate them a little more, you know, a plumber shouldn't show up to your house without the tools because then you're just going to both be standing there staring at the leak and getting your feet wet. So we need our tools. We need our stuff to help us. And like I always say, I'd rather you have it and you not need it than you need it and you don't have it. Here's another example of not having super realistic expectations. Using your dog's one walk that day or week sometimes as their only training opportunity for leash skills. Listen, I'm a fan of trying, a big fan of trying to incorporate training into our day-to-day routine, into, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there. We're already doing this, so let's, let's train while we're doing it. But if you have a really high-energy dog or a really avid puller or you know, or a dog that has behavioral issues or whatever it might be that is causing them to not walk well. And this is their one chance outside to, you know, sniff, get some outdoor enrichment, stretch their legs out. The likelihood of them voluntarily being super calm and wanting to walk next to you for two miles and you're not really rewarding them or, you know, letting them know that that's a great idea is extremely low. It's just not natural for dogs to walk as slow as our asses do. Dogs are fast, man. So, and there's there's plenty of other more examples, but I wanted to at least highlight those two because those are some frequent, frequent ones that I see people doing. They don't realize they're doing it, but they go out and they're like, you know, I'm proud of them. They're going to train and they're excited to get out and do it. But you have to sit down and really think about it and say, listen, is this, am I really setting my dog up for success here? Or is this going to be really difficult for them? And you know, it's probably going to be difficult for them in that type of scenario. Um, So the other thing I wanted to touch on too, before we go into what to work on proactively, is another 
mistake, if you will, or, or, you know, thing that works against you is starting training exercises in high distraction environments, AKA trying to work with your dog when you, when it is too difficult for the dog and perhaps for you. So try to break down whatever your big goal is. Like I want my dog to walk on a loose leash for the entire mile walk around the block or whatever. Take that goal and break it down into smaller steps. And then when you've broken it down to the smallest steps, go smaller, get them even tinier, and you're going to check off those tiny little steps. I encourage you to practice inside your home. Get your get your dog's harness on, get the leash out. A lot of dogs are already over threshold just by the sight of the harness or the leash. Having put your treat pouch on, walk up and down your hallway, reward your dog for looking at you, reward your dog for walking next to you, reward your dog for not yanking all over the place. And some people might say, Erica, what the hell are you talking about? Of course, my dog's going to walk well. We're in, we're in my hallway. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point, folks. We want to set our dogs up in a way where it makes it easy for them to win. And then you start rewarding it. And then what's going to happen is you're going to see more of that. Your dog's going to understand, hey, we, we've been doing this little game, this little exercise. And then you have a greater chance of it generalizing to outside as you work on this. So practicing inside is key, especially, again, if your dog is an avid puller, if you are not really great with your training chops yet. The thing I like to tell people, hold on, coffee time. The thing I like to tell people is, yeah, we're, we're training the dog, but you as the human have to get the choreography down. This is like a choreographed dance. This is like Rihanna at the Super Bowl. We need it choreographed. We need to know what's coming next. I'm still obsessing over Rihanna's Super Bowl performance, FYI. Anyway, so it's, but I'm bringing that up because you're learning how to move your body, how to hold the leash, how to grab the treats, when to reward your dog, what to say, when to talk positively to them, when to maybe be a little quieter or whatever. This is stuff you have to get comfortable with before we can expect everything to go swimmingly outside. And back to like a sports analogy, same thing. Like the the teams aren't practicing for the first time the day of the Super Bowl. They're practicing days and weeks in advance to make sure they're prepared for when the big moment comes. So the, some things to look for when you're working inside the house. Can you get your dog's attention? Can your dog take some steps calmly when you walk? Can you walk up and down your driveway? with your dog doing well? If the answer is no to that stuff, then why are we assuming that at the park with 12 other dogs in the background and a screaming child on the swing set and a bunch of joggers going by and uh, people on skateboard, that your dog's going to do great, right? So break it down. If your dog can't do some of this stuff in the privacy and comfort and low distraction of your home, of your yard, of your front area, your your block, your driveway, right in front of your house, <clears throat> if that's difficult for them, you're obviously going to have a difficult time as the distractions increase. So 
the best way to start quiet area and start with the basics before we get into really doing a ton more, right? Get like anything, get the basics down right. Then we could go from there. All right. So here are some things to keep in mind and to proactively work on. I already mentioned working inside the house, minimal distractions, then moderate distractions, then heavy distractions and so on. I recommend having a tree pouch. All of my clients I've ever worked with on leash skills or really anything, I basically tell them, hey, listen, when you go out with your dog, you obviously grab the leash, you grab poop bags, and you should bring your tree pouch with you. It is as important as bringing a leash and poop bags with you out on the walk. It's your responsibility to have it on you. I normally try to go for two to three small, easily consumable, high-value treats, high-value treats that your dog loves to use for this training. Wear it during your treat sessions inside, any outside adventures you go on. Again, this helps you have it accessible. It's easy to reach for. It's, it's there so you can reward a ton of behavior or redirect your dog. You also want to consider what equipment you're using. I recommend a properly fitted Y-shaped harness and a little bit of a longer leash, anything like six feet and over. I, I like a good 10-foot leash, so you have some options. But again, everyone lives in different places. If you're in a busy city and you want to have your dog a little bit close, totally understand. But six feet, anything shorter than six feet is just too short in my opinion. Replying and caveat. Obviously, if you live in the middle of Manhattan or you're in the middle of a big city and there's tons of traffic and people walking around, I understand. But if you live in suburbia uh, or you, you know, or you have much more space or you bring your dog to walk in certain areas where you have a little more breathing room, then six feet or more, if you can. Relying on some of the other pieces of equipment you will see advertised and at certain pet stores and so on, like choke chains and prong collars, shock devices to get your dog to walk better. They're not only not necessary, because you can obviously train your dog without them. They're not needed. They're not necessary. But they also come with a array of potential negative side effects, both physical, psychological, emotional your bond can get severely affected. And it also is really relying on punishment, pain, and discomfort to quote unquote teach your dog. Positive methods will get you there. And these other things are sometimes marketed as like this quick fix. And now my dog, well, yeah, if I put a metal thing on your neck and it was digging into your esophagus area, you'd probably walk next to me. Sure. But are we really proactively teaching our dogs anything and like helping our bond? In my opinion, no. Everyone obviously can use whatever they want, but if you're listening to this podcast and you follow my content, you know I don't recommend those or use those. And by the way, on my website, I do have some free resources from credible organizations, one of them being the American Veterinary Society of Animal Behavior, which also states the same thing that you want to avoid those types of tools in order to strengthen your relationship with your dog and have true long lasting behavior change in a positive way. And you don't have to worry about negative side effects when you use positive reinforcement. Don't be afraid of rewards. On that note, if your dog takes a step or two without pulling, reward them. 
if they stop when you stop and they look at you like, what the hell? Why are we stopped? Yes, reward them. Any, what I want you to try to fixate on is as people, especially here in America, from what I know, this is all I know, but we are really good and I'm no different. We're really good at picking out stuff we don't like in a situation or especially with our dog training stuff saying, oh, here he goes. He's about to jump and we're right on their ass when they do the thing we don't like. We are on it, man. I need us to flip that. And what I want you to do is go, oh, my God, he is not barking for two seconds. Wonderful. Oh, my God, he looked at me. Oh, my God, he lied down on his bed without being asked. Those are the things I want you to put just as much time, effort, and awareness around finding those little good moments and rewarding them just as much as you would do for when they do something we don't like. So when in doubt, give it out. That's my little slogan and it rhymes. So it's perfect. All right. So I would also recommend in terms of training sessions, keeping them on the shorter side. You want to strive, and this goes across the board for all training, whether you're working on loose leash walking or you're working on crate training or or place training or trick training, whatever it is. Strive generally, strive for short bursts of success. And you don't want to keep going to the point where your dog's like, oh, right, I'm over it, right? You rather end it on a, on a note of like, oh, I can't wait for us to do that again. The other thing out on walks that I want to mention too is let your dog sniff. There are some people out there that will tell you your dog should never sniff outside, that sniffing is causing too much of a distraction, that sniffing is the enemy. I've seen all sorts of stuff on this. To me, again, one person's opinion, one trainer's opinion here, but if you are going out with the notion of my dog should not be sniffing, you really shouldn't have a dog because it's legit one of the most natural things for them to do. It's Their nose is so strong. It's almost impossible for them to not want to sniff stuff. And what's, what I find is that people are going to be very, very annoyed. And what's going to happen then too is every time your dog sniffs, you're going to want to yank them, pull them, redirect them. And you're just going to, in the dog's view, it's just really an annoying walk and not super fun. And I'm pr- probably for you either. So let your dog sniff. I know it can get annoying. I know some dogs literally sniff every tiny pebble on the ground, every trash can, every whatever but I need you to remove your needs from the walk for a moment and say, so because some people will be like, well, I walk him so I can get exercise in the morning or I really want to go for a run and my dog stops and sniffs and it's ruining my run. Listen, do your run by yourself. That's for you. Do your, your thing for you. That's great. But you can't bring your dog out that you're also trying to get better to walk better on leash. And then expect them to just want to walk with you or like, you know, and not sniff anywhere. So I know sometimes we're moving along quickly. We're trying to get to the next thing. We have an appointment. We're trying to get home. I know, but this walk is really for them. So let them have some autonomy over it, right? Autonomy is so important. So a little bit of sniffing never hurt anybody. And again, This is actually tiring your dog out. This is actually enhancing your walk with them. It is going to help them feel more fulfilled from this walk. 
The other thing is finding outlets for your dog's energy and exercise. There, uh, I have a ton of stuff on enrichment on all of my pages and on my website from dustfulldog.com. Try a flirt pole, try hide and seek, toy games, tug of war, puzzle toys, food toys, food dispensing toys, enrichment activities, long lasting chews, etc. There are a ton of ways to keep your dog busy, and I recommend incorporating them every day. So, if my dogs get a really nice walk at the park, like we did the, uh, yesterday then that's great, right? I feel accomplished and maybe they get a licky mat later or some type of food enrichment. On days where it's rainy and I can't get them out and we really didn't get outside for a walk and I know they're cooped up, that might be a good time for flirt pull, for some indoor tug games, some training, even just doing training inside, it can really help uh, tire your dog out. So there are many, many exercises you can do to train loose leash walking. I have a few videos on this scattered around, but honestly, starting inside and starting to flip your mentality to rewarding the good little micro moments, the better you're going to be. And one, I'll, I'll share one major dog training exercise to do. I call, you know, you, I call this the step and treat <clears throat> I do have a video on this, so I'll see if I can link it in the show notes. If not, it's on my YouTube channel from Dust Till Dog again. So the step and treat method, and I'm sure it's called different things in different places, but I call it the step and treat method. And basically what you're doing is you're going to take one or two steps. And if your dog does not avidly pull in that moment, you're going to mark and reward. You're going to praise and reward another step or two praise and reward, another step or two or three, praise and reward, another step or two or three, pay, pay them. This is going to help your timing and your mechanics. And it's also going to help your dog go, oh my gosh, man, they're loving me. I'm just getting a lot of treats over here, standing next to them and walking with them and looking up at them and paying attention to them. And man, good, good stuff comes from them. I make a joke all the time about my dogs. Like I am God to my dogs. Everything good comes from me, right? You have a lot of power with your dog. You feed them. They literally get sustenance from you, food and water and pot. Like they can't go to the bathroom without your opposable thumbs opening the lock and the door and getting them outside. So use the good stuff coming from you much more in these specific training opportunity moments. Okay, so we have the step and treat method. We have some things to, to avoid doing, having some realistic expectations and proper equipment, having good rewards with you, when to use them, allowing your dog to sniff, giving them outlets for their energy and exercise outside of those training walks. And now I want to give you some tips for when things don't go great. When you get frustrated, it's going to happen. I know it is. It's bound to happen. We're all human. So here's what to do. Take a deep breath. I know this sounds kind of corny, but seriously, when I would work with clients, it was hilarious because when I would go out with a particularly difficult dog on leash, I would you know, it's very emotionally draining on a person. You're holding the leash. They're like flailing all over the place. You're trying to work with them. You're trying to stay calm. I would breathe really deeply and I would like exhale. It would be like, 
And it almost sounds like I'm annoyed, but I'm not. I'm just actually helping regulate my nervous system a little bit. So trust me, if you catch yourself getting super frustrated, stop what you're doing. Take a couple nice deep breaths. Say, okay, we got this. What's next? This has helped me out so much, not only with my dogs, but in my life, breathing. So I wanted to mention that even though it seems kind of cliche, but it is so helpful. The other thing is talking out loud to your dog during these shitty moments. So you want to keep it in a dog-friendly tone. You don't want to sound mad at them or whatever because they could pick up on that and it's only going to hurt your training and your bond with them in that moment as well. So verbally expressing that you're upset and annoyed but in a happy dog-friendly tone is not only hilarious, but it is a good outlet to release some of the tension you have going on with your dog. So, you know, like when we got Bruce and he was extraordinarily challenging, especially for the first couple months and especially it being my first time handling three dogs. And especially because our work-life balance was all over the place. And not that there really is one, but I say that as a general phrase. But like, you know, work was crazy. Our life was a little bit overscheduled. A lot of stuff was going on. And I was stressed. I was stressed out. And so sometimes I would look at Bruce and he'd be doing something dangerous or jumping up. It was like I was running around with just a rabid animal for a little while. I love him to death. But he was a true like shelter slash, I don't know, street dog. We don't really know. But he did not seem like he was used to being in a home at all. So it was difficult. And there were times where I would call him a demon spawn dog or here's the demon or the gremlin. And it was just my cute little way of letting out frustration without making him feel any way, without feeding into the negativity, kind of making light of it, finding a way to joke about it and smile. It It does more than you think. Some other things to do when you're frustrated. Stop your training session. Stop your walk. Stop the playtime. Stop the yard time. Take a break. Return to it when you're in a better mental space. Because your dog knows you're in a shit mood. Your your tone and your voice sounds shitty. Your body language is not happy. Your dog knows this. They are watching. Literally, they don't have, uh, you know, reality TV and music and TikTok to scroll through. They don't have this stuff. So they're just watching you all day. Your habits, your movements, your tone, your facial expressions. If your eyebrow goes a different way, they're picking up on it. So just be mindful of that. Take a break. Take a breath. Come back to it when you're ready. Nobody's judging you on that. You don't want to push through a training session when you are in a horrible mood. The other thing is scheduling in self-care. Go on a walk without your dog. Take a long shower. That's one of my favorite self-care things. And I got these shower steamers that go into the shower. Chef's kiss. Smells like lavender. And then I put these uh, flameless like fake candles and I turn off the overhead light. So it's just like a candle lit lavender shower. Mm, Amazing. It's my self-care time that I try to do every single night. And it's good. And guess what? In the shower, I love showers. I love baths or showers, but I think showers even more so because in the bath, you can still like get on your phone or someone can come in and like, you know, sit and talk with you or whatever. Showers, you can't be on your phone. The dogs really can't come into the shower, although I'm sure there's some that want to. Close that door. 
But honestly, scheduling in self-care, because especially if you have a dog that has behavioral issues, you have le- severe leash reactivity, stuff like that. I mean, it is very difficult for some people. It is a family, basically a family member that is dealing with struggling with stuff and you're the person that needs to help them go through it. And you're also learning. So you need some self-care. And in, in, in a couple closing remarks, don't forget to be kind to yourself and your dog. You're both doing the best that you can. This stuff takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And for some dogs, putting on a better harness and bringing some treats out immediately like takes takes every problem away. But that's an outlier. That's That's not the rule. That's the exception. So if you're struggling with this, know that that's the norm, that, that dogs don't come pre-programmed to walk slow and to not pull and to not want to sniff everything and to stare up at you like they're just having nothing else to look at out there. So it's very normal. So do some self-care, take a deep breath, go for it. But again, the training stuff, before I go, I want to recap what the training aspect of this is. You really want to practice inside, reward for anything good while your dog has that leash and harness on. Once you conquer inside and you feel like you got a good step and treat method going and you feel like you have some focus from your dog, take it out to the backyard or the front yard or the side yard. Or if you live in an apartment complex, see if you could go to like the tennis court that nobody uses on a Sunday morning or go over to the uh, little field that really isn't useful for anything in the back of your apartment complex and walk up and down there, walk up and down your driveway for 20 minutes rather than going around the block for 20 minutes and being pissed off at your dog for walking like shit. It is up to us to set up these situations so that they can go a little bit better. And also as your dog's teacher, setting up these situations in a realistic way, in a low distraction, starting in a low distraction so that your dog can actually learn. You don't want to throw a kid into a a college level calculus class and then get pissed at them for not understanding it. We need to start off with basic math. One plus one equals two. Yay, we got it. Now let's go over and do some multiplication. Now let's go over and do some algebra. Now let's move to calculus, right? So just try to remind yourself of that because I feel like as a society, there is this, like if if your dog is pulling, that your dog's out of control and you need to get that dog under control and you need to train that dog and that dog's not trained. It's like, you know, when I walk my three dogs or even if I walk them one at a time, I let them sniff. I let them walk a little bit in front of me or a little bit behind me or a little bit to the left of me or a little bit more to the right of me. As long as I'm not being dragged down the street, I'm cool, right? That's my, that's my, uh, that's like my bar, right? I, as long as you're not yanking me, I'm fine. Other people want their dog to be right next to them the whole time, which I think is not realistic, and can a dog do it? Sure. But I don't think that that is realistic for living with a regular family dog and you're just trying to go on regular walks around the block, right? So come up with what's realistically like a realistic goal for you and your dog and start with that. Work your way up. So I hope this was helpful. Little mini 
guide for loose leash walking. I will definitely be doing a part two to this at some juncture because there's so much to talk about with this, but I wanted to come out the gate with this episode with just some general things to keep in mind that I think a lot of people either forget or don't know about or overlook. And I want you to get started on this little step and treat method at home or out back or out front with your dog and see how it goes. So I hope this helped you. I appreciate you listening. If you want to support this podcast or our online content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash from dusk till dog. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And until next time, take care and talk soon.